0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. Oh, you guys are all wide awake, and that's awesome. That is awesome. This is, this is a fun day. We're going to talk about some things this morning. I'm going to be teaching you principles uh, out of the life of Jesus that have the, the ability and the power to actually change our entire world. And so uh, I hope that you listen carefully. And at the end of our time together, I'm going to give you the opportunity to make a very specific response that I hope you will never forget. Because the the principle we're talking about has that much power in it. The series is The Blessing, and today we're going to talk about receiving the blessing. And this whole series is is predicated on the concept of of an event in the life of Jesus, which we're going to take a look at in a minute. But underlying this whole teaching series, there are three basic questions that I just want to pose for all of us to ponder for a minute. And the first one is this, what if there's something... We could receive that could change everything. Now, notice I didn't say, what if there's something we could do? What if there's something we could receive that could literally change our world? The second question that we're going to press into is this. What if there's a currency that could change our world if we use it? Think of your heart for a minute and just think of your heart as if it were a wallet. And that every time you had an interchange with another person, you pulled out your wallet and you had to draw something out of your wallet to give to them because you do. Every time you have an interchange with any person, you have actually pulled out your heart and you are giving something to them. What if the currency that you gave was the currency of blessing? And the third question is this. What would our world be like if we started dealing in the currency of the blessing? I love the quote from Leonard Cohen that Spike gave to us this morning about this this love, this generosity of Jesus that the world could not weather. It, the generosity of Jesus is greater than any storm the world could throw at it. Why? Because Jesus was fluent in the language of blessing, and the currency of his life was blessing, no matter who you were. Now, it's very easy for us to say, oh, yeah, he was God in flesh. Of course, God's got a leg up on everybody on that. But I want to remind you that Jesus was not only fully God when he was here on this earth. He was fully human, just like you and me that came crashing home to me the other day when I, when I was with a group of friends. And they said, Won't it be great when we are in heaven and our thoughts are just like Jesus' thoughts and we never have a bad thought? And I said to them, Oh, Jesus had bad thoughts all the time. And it sort of shook up their What? I said, Yeah. You know, the Bible clearly teaches He was tempted in every way like you and me. You've never had a thought that Jesus didn't have. That's scary, isn't it? Yeah. And yet he never gave in. So Jesus was tempted to tell people off just like you and me. (laughs) Jesus was tempted on his chariot to drive with one hand right next to the horn. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, it's so easy for us to sort of romanticize Jesus. So John Trent, who is a Christian psychologist and therapist, after more than 30 years of working with people in the context of marriage and family, John Trent wrote this observation. He said, No matter what your age, the approval of your parents affects how you view yourself and your ability to pass that approval on to your children, your spouse, and your friends. You know what he was really saying? If your parents didn't load your wallet with blessing, you got nothing to spend. Does that make sense to you? And I know that that hits home for a lot of people here today. And I'm here to tell you that you're not at a dead end with an empty wallet and nothing to spend. I'm going to give you a different way to load your wallet so that you can speak the language of blessing. He goes on to say, this is vital to your self-esteem and your emotional well-being. What he was really saying is this, that if your parents loaded your heart with blessing, that it creates a sort of culture in which you live and you take with you everywhere because you have a personal culture that you take everywhere with you. And if you don't know what it is, ask your friends and at least one enemy, because your enemy will tell you what your friends don't have the guts to, but they know what your personal culture is. And Jesus wants you to live like this. He wants to load your wallet with so much blessing that you're like Superman. Everywhere you go, you know that you can help people. And you know that if, if they will give you the opportunity to step into their lives, that you can help them experience radical and wonderful life change. But you know, if your wallet isn't loaded then your personal culture might be more like this. (laughs) Yeah. So if you're interested in learning more about this, I want to recommend, we want to recommend this this book called The Blessing. It's written by John Trent and his buddy Gary Smalley after 30 years of working with people in the context of family. And I'll tell you right up front, this book is mostly written in the context of, of families who have children still living at home. But I want to tell you that every single principle in that book will work for the rest of your life long after your kids leave home. You just have to put it in a different context. But it's a really good book to help you grab this context. So I said to you, this was all based out of an event or an experience in the life of Jesus. So let's go read that event. And here it is. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. Now, as soon as Jesus was baptized, Jesus was 30 years of age when this event took place. And up to this point, all Jesus had done was grow up in his family home and work in his stepfather's carpenter shop. He was a furniture maker, probably, or a house builder or something that carpenters do. That's all he had done. That's all he was known for. And yet Jesus was about ready to launch a three to three and a half year ministry, teaching ministry, that would literally change the face of the entire world. But at this point, he hadn't done any of it. We're going to come back to that in a couple of weeks because that's a really important thing. But right here at the beginning, I want you to see what happens. So as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open. Who did that? God, his father did. Heaven was open. You know, Part of me would love to have been a little mouse in the corner, but I would have been running for cover when when heaven opened, I'm pretty sure. Because the heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And there'll be more uh, more teaching on that next week because that's a really important thing. And a voice from heaven said, and this is all we're going to focus on this morning, this one sentence. And here it is. This is my son. Whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Those three statements, each one contains an essential element in the blessing that you and I need to be giving to each other. And if we're parents with kids living at home, to our children living at home, and if we're parents who are with children who are long gone, we need to pick up the phone and give them these blessings And there are three essential elements. Angela touched on the first one last week. So uh, we'll start there. The three essential elements of the blessing are this. This is my son. In other words, that's identity. And what do we mean by identity? Well, the concept of identity is I identify myself with you. Have you ever heard a parent say to his kid, whose kid are you? That's the opposite. Yeah. In that moment, you are disclaiming your child. I'm not here to make you feel guilty about that, but I do have this to say. Don't do that again. Yeah. One of the greatest things you can do for your children and for the people in your world is connect them to you. Is to say to them, I'm so glad you're my friend. Not, I'm so glad you're a good friend. I'm so glad you're my friend. I'm so glad you're part of our church. Yeah. I identify myself with you. God said, this is what? My son. I proudly claim you. That message sinks so deeply. Wouldn't the world be a wonderful place if we just stuffed our wallets with that? Yeah, it literally would change our world. That's the currency we're supposed to be using. The second statement is this. This is my son whom I love. The concept here is I treasure you. I shared this story a few years ago and I want to share it again because it was easily one of the most life-changing moments in my life. I was sitting in uh, the bedroom of our 14-year-old son at the time And I was talking to him about one of the 25 things he had done that day that disappointed me. I'm sure you can't relate to that at all. And in the middle of this conversation, I just saw the curtain close. Have you ever seen that on your kids? The curtain closed. And I stopped and I said, Anthony, what's up, son? It's it's obvious that I'm still talking, but you're done listening. And it took a lot of courage for him to say what he said next. He looked at me and he said, Dad, it's like you don't enjoy being my dad anymore. Hmm. You think he was living in the culture of blessing? No. At that point, he had lost it all. Apparently, I had been not been dealing in that currency a lot recently. I took the time to fix that with him, but that has forever stuck with me because what God said to Jesus was, I treasure you. It's my privilege to be your dad. It's my privilege to be your father. It's my privilege to be your friend. I treasure you. Yeah, I'm committed to you. No matter what you do, I'm not going anywhere. Later today, I'm doing the memorial service of a lady in our church that many of you know. She rode in here in a wheelchair every Sunday. Her name was Connie. I had a few tough conversations with Connie over the last four or five years. But every time I sat with Connie... I would tell her, Connie, you can never do anything that would make me not love you. I will love you no matter what. And she would look at me with this sort of quizzical look on her face like, how could you say that? Because I wasn't there to tell her she had won the lottery, okay? Yeah. And you know, in the end, she and I ended up with a wonderful relationship where she felt safe in my presence. Because no matter what she did, I was, I was absolutely committed to giving Connie the blessing of my heart. Here's the third one. With whom I am well pleased. Wow. Once again, how old was Jesus? 30. What had he done in ministry? Nothing. We'll come back to that in a couple of weeks. But the idea is, I delight in you. I believe in you. Even before you've done anything, I believe God's going to do great things through you. I remember. I don't have time to tell you my whole story as a kid, but I I, I will just tell you this. Uh, I was the kid in junior high and high school that everyone shoved and spit on and hit and called names and bullied, and it was that way of my life for six years. And by the time I graduated from high school, I hated school, and I couldn't relate to people. And I enrolled as a freshman in Bible college, and there was a professor in that college who took me aside one day, and he said, Ron, I believe someday God's going to do something great through you. I can't tell you how long I hung onto those words, desperate to believe them. Yeah, I believe in you. What an amazing place our world would be if we would stuff our wallets with that stuff. Are you on board with that? Yeah, that we could be the people who continually. Hand out blessing. Oh, by the way, can you think of a better way for people to follow Jesus than that? Maybe that's what Jesus had in mind when he said, I'm only bringing one command, and here it is. That you what? Love one another as I have loved you. Now, here's the big idea for the day. My behavior doesn't determine or shape God's love for me. Let's just stop right there. Would you agree with me that God loves you with his whole heart? Or do you think he loves you with only half of it? We're pretty sure he loves us with all of it, right? So what could you do that could make God love you with more than all of his heart? You already got it all. You know what I think? I think oftentimes we say God loves me with all of my heart, with all of his heart, but on the inside we think he must be holding some back but he doesn't that's the whole message the big idea is that my behavior doesn't determine or shape god's love for me god has already expressed his love in so many different ways that 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 are absolutely irrevocable and they're absolutely boundless and unlimited Not the least of which, giving His one and only Son to endure the punishment of the cross so that you and I could be forgiven and find a place in heaven. Yeah. If you have any question about God's love, just look at that stuff. He's already expressed it in a thousand different ways. But here's the profound idea. God's love for me in an an amazing way ends up determining and shaping my behavior. Huh. Let's go back to the conversation with with my 14-year-old son and me in his bedroom. Do you think that his behavior was better because he didn't receive my blessing and he would think, oh, my goodness, I want my dad to like me. I better straighten up and fly right. Do you think that's what he thought? If you do, you've never had a teenager. (laughs) That's not how they think. That's not how we as adults think. But you know what? His behavior took a marked improvement when I took the time to convey my blessing on him and my belief in him and what I saw in his future. And I began to speak into his life the stuff he could become and actually the stuff that he is today. Did you know Jesus does that for us? Look at this verse. The grace of God has appeared. Now, when I first read that verse, I thought the grace of God has appeared. Is that like a a purple cloud of grace that somehow appears in the sky? No, the grace of God that appeared is Jesus. He was the embodiment of God's grace. So the grace of God, the goodness of God, the blessing of God has appeared. And look what it does. It brings salvation for all of us. Wow, there's hope For every one of us, no matter what we've done, no matter who we are, no matter how badly we've messed up, no matter how much we have or how little we have, none of that stuff makes any difference because God's grace comes and it brings salvation for all of us. And notice what else it does. It trains us to turn our back on sin. Not the kind of training that's going to wrap your knuckles with a ruler. But there's a thing that God does in our hearts that begins to shape and mold how we look at life and how we look at other people. And he points out how we look at sin. Take a look at this. It trains us to turn our backs on ungodliness. Now, I just want to tell you what ungodliness means. Because we often think, oh, that's despicable sin. That's nasty stuff. No, ungodliness literally means anything that isn't like God. Wow. It teaches us to turn away from that. Why? Because we begin to realize what that does to the people around us and what it does to us. We get a new perspective on it. And we recognize that sin in the short run is fun, but in the long run, it's lots of pain. And we go, ooh, that's a bad deal. That's a really bad deal. He goes on to say, and our destructive passions and to live wisely in this world. Wow. Wow. When I invite the grace of God into my life and I begin to receive the blessing of God, it begins to shape how I look at the world and it gives me this natural desire to turn away from things that are destructive to me and destructive to the people around me and it begins to give me this natural natural desire not just to make fun choices in the moment but wise choices in the long run. Wow. I can build my life around that. That's the whole thing. So I want to give us the three principles of of the blessing. And here they are. The first one is this. I cannot receive what isn't given. You might be sitting today with an empty wallet because you grew up in a home where you never got the approval of your dad or your mom. I have met countless people who are that way and they come to my office and they're frustrated and I always give them the illustration of if you have two wells on your property and one is a dry well that never has any water in it and one is a well that's full of water and you have a bucket and you're thirsty but you keep going to the dry well you have a problem listen if you're grown and gone from your parents house and you didn't get their blessing, it's not likely you're going to get it from them in their old age. I'm I'm so sorry to have to tell you that. But I'm so happy to tell you that there are other wells from which you can receive that blessing. But here's what I do want to tell you. If you didn't get it from your parents, and you won't get it from anybody else, your wallet will stay empty. Does everybody get that? Okay. Because you cannot receive what isn't given. And if you keep going to a place that's not going to give it to you, you will never receive. The second law is this. I cannot give what I haven't received. People in your life could be speaking blessing into your life, but if you keep discounting it and 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 you keep in your mind and yourself talk saying, well, if you really knew me, you would... Well, you cannot give what you haven't received. I love what Angela said to us last week. And I used it. I caught myself three or four times this week doing the very thing that she said not to do. None of you can relate to that, right? (laughs) Somebody gave me a compliment and I immediately started to discount it. I stopped in the middle of the sentence and I said, I received that. And we both laughed. But I got it. I got it. You see, I can't give away what I haven't received or I can't give away what I won't receive because the third principle is this. I cannot receive what I don't give. This is a currency. It's a two-way thing. And the amazing thing about this currency is the more I give it out, the more people give it back to me. And the less I give it out, the less people give it back to me. It's a currency. If you want to receive blessing in this life, first of all, get the blessing and then start giving it away. Because if you hoard the blessing, currency doesn't do anybody any good when people hoard it. Have you noticed? You know any misers that just get all they can and can all they get? And then nobody gets blessed by it. Nobody. But when you receive currency... And you spend it in the lives of other people. It blesses everybody. It's a two-way street. So as we wrap this up, I want you to take out your program. And on the inside of your program, there's a certificate. It looks like this, okay? I want to read a verse, and then I'm going to invite you to fill this out if you want to, all right? Here's the big promise that God makes to us. And he gave us this promise through a guy who hated Christians, who killed them, who tortured them, who threw them in prison, and did all that stuff until the day he met Jesus. And when he came face to face with the grace of God that appeared to him, it began to change his life. And years later, he would write this to his friends. You have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Hmm. And now we call him Abba or Papa. That's what that literally means, Father. Because God's spirit joins with our spirit. And what does it say to us? It confirms that we are what? God's children. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, you have been adopted into God's family. And here's something you know about adoption. Do the kids choose the parents or do the parents choose the kids? The parents choose the kids. You've been adopted into God's family. You were chosen by him. And I wanted you to have something you could hold in your hands, take home, put in your Bible, do whatever you want to do with it. But I want to read it to you. This is a certificate of, of adoption. It says, this is to certify, and you could put your name underneath that if you've chosen to follow Jesus, that I have been formally adopted into the family of God, and I am entitled to all of the rights. And the privilege is thereto as one of his kids. You'll notice the adopting agent signed his name in blood. And if you know anything about, about what the Bible teaches, it was the blood that Jesus shed on the cross that makes this possible. And there's a place for you to sign your name as the adoptee. So I want to talk to two groups of people. Okay? Three. I'm a pastor, all right? That's how that goes, okay? The first group of people are people who have a wonderful sense that you've been adopted into God's family. And for you, this is just a wonderful reminder that you are God's kid. The second group of people are those of you who have been adopted into God's family, but you've actually never let it really sink in. And you've been living as if you haven't been adopted And you're still trying to earn his love, and you're still thinking, if I just did better, if I could clean up my act, God would be more happy with me. This is for you. God's happy with you already, God loves you already. You've already been adopted into his family. You're not the kid on the sidelines saying, choose me, choose me, choose me. I can do better. I can do better. No, you're in. It's a reminder to you to let this sink over you. And the third group of people are those of you in our audience who've actually never made the decision to follow Jesus, to become a Christian. What you could do today is you could make this the day you're formally adopted into his family. And I want to invite you to do that. I want to invite you to put your name on here. I want to invite you to sign your name. I want to invite you to do one other thing on on the Connect card. There's a place for you to check a box that says, I'm choosing to become a Christian today. And then put put that Connect card Uh, in the baskets as we pass them in a few minutes. And this can become the day that your life literally begins to change because you have invited the King of love into your heart. Let's pray. God, thank you so, so very much. It's just unimaginable. Uh, It's more than we can comprehend. We're just saying incomprehensible love. That's it. It's more than we can imagine. That you would look at the lot of us and honestly, God, sometimes we can't stand each other. And yet, you wrap your arms around us and you say, I see you. I see wonderful things in your life. I believe in you. Would you come and be my kids and be in my family now and for forever? Would you give us the courage and the faith to believe that and live it out? I pray in your name. Amen. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.